It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Garden America Show, the country's most listened to gardening program. Good Halloween Saturday morning. We are back. The boys are here in studio. I'm Brian Main. Tiger Palafox, John Bagnasco on this special Halloween edition of the Garden America Show, radio show, Biz Talk Radio, Facebook Live. Great show lined up today. We expect your questions, your comments. And uh, I noticed a couple of comments saying, great mask, Tiger. Tiger's not wearing a mask. I don't know what this is all about. But uh, no, you're not wearing a mask at all, as far as I know. By the way, if you're listening to this on the radio, we hope you had a nice thanks or Halloween because that was last week. Yeah, you know what? I'm getting some feedback on my computer here. Let me go ahead and talk, John, while I try to shut this off. Oh, okay. So, John, do you plan on handing out candy out of out of your neighborhood there? Do you get a lot of trick or treaters down that dead end street where you're the last? Do you know even my old house? In 30 years, we never had one person come to the door. Well, you, yeah, you were in Fallbrook, very rural, you know. Yeah, but... Uh, not a lot of houses. You, you, you want to go to neighborhoods and trick-or-treat where you can go door-to-door, door-to-door. It's about volume. <laughs> yeah, I guess, but... Ever, for 30 years, I bought candy to make sure that... Well, you definitely didn't want to be that guy that didn't have it if they did show up. Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> but 30 years, not a single person. This year, I imagine, because of COVID, there probably won't be as many people. Hey, I think I just yeah. adjusted somebody's audio level. Maybe yours, Tiger. Big, big mistake. I didn't okay. have the button pushed in, but you're on now. Oh, was I not speaking yeah, before? Yeah, Nobody so, heard sorry me. Sorry for that. That was my bad. <laughs> Tiger's mic was on. He's supposed to be in the A position. It was in the B position. So that's my bad. So what I'll do, Tiger, when I package this up for the network, I will go in and raise your levels. Oh, so perfect. the radio people on BizTalk Radio will never know the difference. Those on Facebook, maybe some brief irritation. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Welcome to the show, folks. We are off and running. Right. Yeah. And good morning to everybody on Facebook who's uh, shouting out to us. Yeah, We've got, Let's see. We just stuff. had 30 people tuned in. Now let's see how many people we can get watching this morning. There is so much happening this weekend. We have Halloween. We have the time change. We have... Part of the country under snow. We have part of the country in a heat advisory and dry weather. We have fall getting ready to plant. We're going to be talking about giant pumpkins and vegetables today. We got a podcast after the show. Stick around for that. Speaking of Tiger's Mask, the the theme of the podcast is going to be Halloween oriented. Yeah. And why do we use jack o' lanterns? Why do we use jack o' lanterns? Why do we use pumpkins during Halloween? So, you know, there's a lot of fun stuff happening right now. And this goes back to what I've always said. Everybody gives spring the glory of gardening. But I feel the real gardeners 
the fall is probably one of the most exciting times because you're planning. I love this you're time planting. of year. Planting. Yeah, it's last nice. week's quote was something about that, right? Yep. Remember yeah. that? Exactly. Yeah, you're doing. You are. You are. You're planning. And you know what? I like the cool weather now. Yes. Enough heat. It's going to get yes. dark early. Yes, we <laughs> all know cool that. Weather. <laughs> What's that? What cool weather? It was cold this morning. It was cold It's cold in the morning, but I'm 90 well, degrees in the afternoon. Well, we don't, you don't count. You're in a different zone, different So the whole deal. You're just off the grid, John. So remember last week, we were talking about how beautiful the weather was. We got a little bit of rain. Yeah. And I turned my irrigation down on my plants. We didn't like get enough one rain. One week. One week, and I'm having to turn it back up again. We didn't, we didn't get enough to do anything. Well, no, but it was cool, though. It, it was, was cool. It was cool. But I like the fact, yeah, well, I, get home, I got home yesterday about 4.30, and it was warm, still pretty warm. And about an hour later, it's like, well, I need a jacket. Yeah. It just drops. It does. So. Are we done with the weather? No. I looked at John. Are you, no, no, more hot weather? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we've got a week of a week. Uh, uh, high 80s, You know, people, low 90s. like here's Scott tuning in from Pennsylvania right now, who says, hi, all. And we're complaining about the weather being too hot. Yeah, he's probably... And, and we must sound you know. like a bunch of whining crybabies to the rest of the country. It's been kind of hot in Philadelphia lately. Okay. <laughs> back, back to gardening. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but... So, and Jim, then, you have a good week? Um, yeah, busy, busy week. Yeah. Busy, busy week. Um, do you sell pumpkins at your store? We do sell pumpkins, and you know those sales were good. We're clearing the lot, getting ready for Christmas trees. Did you do the um, succulent pumpkins? Do people still do that? Yep. People still do the succulent pumpkins, and this year we're doing succulent Christmas trees. So what? No, it's just little. <laughs> it's just little trees shapes with the succulents in the sides of them, kind of like a topiary kind of a thing. Huh. So yeah, that's that's the hot item this year because before it was succulent wreaths. Remember, right? That was the hot thing to do. Now it's succulent Christmas. Trees. Do you know why they they don't do succulent wreaths anymore? No, why? First of all, the time it takes to make them oh, gosh, and the right. cost. Didn't is we have those succulent wreaths years ago? That's yeah. probably the. Probably the most successful item we ever sold. And I put I put it in the middle of my dining room table with a little candle. Lasted a long time, Last, right? Ours lasted, yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it did. It was amazing. No, as long as you keep watering it. Right. Take right. care of it. But we sold but, them for twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. Right. And I think that sold a lot of in order to really make money, we made money on them, but I think that for a, a grower to make money on those wreaths, he would have to be selling them for close to $100. Yeah, so maybe like seventy five or something. Yeah, I think that's the, I think that's the price is about a hundred bucks, eighty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so so you're saying they don't do it anymore just because they're high cost? <laughs> yeah, well, time the mm-hmm. time that it takes to put those together, so they're very labor intensive. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, and then the cost. Yeah. So but, and that, and that's the thing people don't think about too with those plugging succulent things even like the little arrangements and they go oh wow that seems pretty expensive for that little arrangement but if you were to go to a nursery and you were to buy all of those plugs right for even the a dollar ninety nine each those little guys you would need forty fifty of them so right then and there you're eighty to a hundred bucks if you were to go buy those and then people will go oh well I'll just cut them out of my own garden right. And if you do, if 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 uh, you're Deborah Lee Baldwin, I'm sure you have plenty of cuttings to take. Right. But right. even a good sized succulent garden, 
Or if you live next door to yeah. Deborah Lee Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But even like a good size, like normal yard that has a good amount of succulents in it, you can't get enough cuttings out of your garden to do some really neat Right, arrangement. to it do takes, it right. It yeah. takes so much. Yeah. Kathy uh, in Neyland says that she has remnants of her wreath from years ago planted in a bowl. Oh, wonderful. See, and that's a neat story. That's kind yeah. of like when people plant a citrus tree or something yes. for in remembrance or, or of an event or something like that. Yeah. Car- Carolyn says she still has the one she ordered from us. <laughs> well, we did say they last long. Yeah, so that was what, eight years that's ago? That's about eight years at least. And that, that is a gift that so. does keep giving. Hey, you know, Scott in Pennsylvania mentions that even though it's chilly out there, petunias? his petunias are still going strong. Yeah. Petunias. Good for yeah. you, Scott. Wow. Thumbs up to Scott. Yeah, yeah, petunias. You usually don't yeah. think of petunias taking the cold weather. Pansies for sure, for right? Sure. So who's so, the Steve Connolly guy, uh, Tiger? So he is a giant vegetable grower. I guess. Wait a minute, he's giant or the vegetables no, the are vegetables giant? He, <laughs> the vegetables he grows are giant. Now, okay. primarily gourds and pumpkins. But we're going to be talking about this whole community of giant veggie growers because there's a lot of people out there that you know love the idea of growing a vegetable and and just growing the largest that it can ever bigger get. is better yeah you Didn't know he set a record for the biggest gourd he just this year a world record for, for a bushel largest. gourd We'll have to find gourd. out what a bushel gourd is. So he's did you guys today on uh, Garden America? Did you John? go to his website by any chance? I did not. Uh, if you go to the website, he has all the. Uh, I don't know if the whole website's his, but the website we referred people to has a list of every type of vegetable, and you can click on it and you can find the seeds the for the biggest one of those. Wow. Like they have uh, corn that's like eighteen feet tall. See, it's kind of like it's kind of like stud farming for horses you know you got to pick from the biggest crop to get the next biggest crop well, i thought it was int- we'll be talking to him so i guess we don't have to talk too much about it now but <laughs> but i thought it was interesting that on those giant pumpkins that even the seeds are giant so right. like the bigger the yeah, seed the yeah. bigger indication of so john what pumpkin. about speaking of all this you have a quote of the week i think we should get to you do during this first segment well I do. I, I went with your idea of, uh, tr- why don't we ever do a show all pumpkins all the time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, this quote was from Henry David Thoreau, and he said, I would rather sit on a pumpkin and have it all to myself than to be crowded on a velvet cushion. That's a great quote. <laughs> I like that. Nice. I'm going to use that. I better well, and, and, if, and if you're able to sit on a pumpkin... You're gonna have it all yourself because it's gonna be in a giant field because that plant, those plants get massive. If if it's one that you can sit on, right? Exactly. <laughs> you, do you remember the San Diego Children's Zoo years ago when they had the huge tortoises? Speaking yeah. of big things, yeah. The the tiger, the, the, you you would the sit zoo. on these. The you would zoo. Ro- San Diego yeah. Zoo, okay. But so. they had a children's, which I yeah. do. They still have a children's zoo, but petting. But petting you could zoo. go in and feed the animals, and they had these huge tortoises that you would actually sit on and ride. Yeah, you can't do that huge. anymore, but you can see. No, it. you can't do yes. that, right? But yeah, they you are and I happening. used to race those. Remember, we'd who, get on them and race them. Who did? Didn't you and I get on those tortoises and race them, or was that a dream? <laughs> you know what's interesting? If it was a dream, it sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. We've done a lot of wacky things over the years here on uh, what used to be Garden uh, Garden Life. Now it's Garden America. I do remember one time with uh, this is serious with uh, Shotgun Tom Kelly doing a bed race. Where you were racing actual beds 
down a, a steep hill, mm-hmm. but they were made uh, they were made out of plants. Really? Yeah. We're going to take a break. Wow. And we're going to come back right after this. Break on BizTalk Radio. Break on Facebook Live. Going to get a hold of our guest, Steve Connolly. And back with a good show and a good time on this Halloween 2020. I'm Brian Main, Tiger Palafox, John Bagnasco. Stay with us. Garden America taking a break. Back after this. Okay, here we go. We are back. A quick break there. Got a hold of our guest, Steve Connolly. I'm Brian Main, along with John Bagnasco, Tiger Pelafox. Welcome to Garden America. Hey, if this is your first time, welcome. We hope you'll make it a regular habit. Every Saturday morning, we kick things off at 7 o'clock. And, of course, Eastern Time Zone at 11. Hey, don't forget tonight. Set those clocks back. We're going to gain a full hour as we fall back tonight. We say bye-bye to Daylight Savings Time. Now, normally, John has that in the newsletter. This year was something special. He did not. <laughs> so we have to remind you I, now on the radio. You know, I honestly remembered too late. For some reason, I had in my mind it was after the election. So here's what you do. Next week in the newsletter, just say, reminder, hope you did turn your clocks back last week. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, I'll take All that into long. consideration. Yeah. All week long, you've been an hour. All week long. Off. Hey, that said, our guest is uh, standing by, Tiger, ready to go on this Saturday morning. Yeah, so a fun topic this morning, something that we don't always uh, get to talk about, but we're talking about growing giant vegetables because this, I think, is probably one of the biggest times of the year for the giant vegetable growing community. And we have one of the world record holders with us this morning, Steve Connolly. Good morning, Steve. Hello, Steve. Brian, you put him on? He's on. Steve, you there? There you go. Are you are you there? Hold on one second. <laughs> are you there, Steve? It's, okay, we got a little problem going on here this morning. That is interesting. This is what happens when it's and it's know, live radio. First, nothing, someone's first day. Nothing we can do about this. It's live radio. It's not when like, you you pushed a button over there and then I could hear, and then it went off really quick. Let's try this. Hey guys, I hear you loud and clear. Here we All go. Right. We, now we can hear you. No. Okay. There, that's West much better. Thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. You're very patient. Thank you so much, Steve. <laughs> Steve, good morning. Sorry for the technical difficulties starting off. No worries. <laughs> How are you doing this morning? Oh, we're fine. Just got hit with about six inches of snow in October, which is kind of rare, but we're doing good. Good to hear. So, you know, yeah. So joining us this morning, Steve Connolly, a giant vegetable grower. Now, you just set a world record this year for a bushel gourd. What is a bushel gourd? Well, it, it is a species, an isolated species or a fruit. Uh, there are bushel gourds which you can buy at the store, little green ones with you know bottlenecks on them. And this is essentially the same thing, except it's been grown in a supercharged soil. So, so we took this African fruit... Uh, sort of southern equatorial Africa is where it came from. And we brought it over to the United States and around the world, actually, and um, hampered it and been growing it for dozens of years, uh, cross-pollinating the biggest with the biggest. And we've taken little three or four-pound fruits and brought them up to about 470 pounds. So this is a gourd normally people would see in the grocery store they're kind of a hard gourd with a little bottleneck on it and i'm not a big culinary guy but 
you know, these are more what I see for decorations versus like eating. But w- would people eat these gourds normally as well? You can eat them before they're fully mature. Oh. Uh, the rind gets too tough, tough when they're fully mature. But in their younger state, like, say, I don't know, 30 or 40 days into their growth, you can eat them. Wow. Um, we don't. We grow them very long and very mature. Uh, we take them up to about 90 days of growth, so there's a little bit of cantaloping going on on the surface, as naturally happens when these things age. Uh, and we're growing them for size. You know, it's not a beauty contest. It's, it's, a, it's a weight contest. And for the listeners watching on Facebook Live, I was able to put a picture of uh, Steve with his gourd. 470 pounds, right, You sa- it, it says? Guinness Book of World Records. It's all the paperwork is in. Yeah. It's 470.5 pounds. Yeah, and so you're saying the average, mm-hmm. the average one of those that you're going to see at a store is three to four pounds? Is that what it was? Sure, three so, to four to five, right so around there. So you've grown it a hundred times more. That's amazing. And and Steve, what got you into growing giant vegetables? Because this is yeah, you're, what's you're, the you're, you're not a farmer, right? Like this is not what you've done. No, I'm an engineer. Uh, but oh, I that explains a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I read a lot. <laughs> uh, and I understand a lot of things, and I put pieces together. So, but I did grow up on an old farmland from the 1800s back in uh, Sudbury, Massachusetts. So the land just worked well with me. You know, as a youth, I was able to grow anything I wanted pretty much because the soil was so rich. Um, I just sort of took that with me. And then eventually, you know, time went by and we went to something called the Topsfield Fair. There are fall fairs everywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. And at that fair, I happened to see a 300-pound beautiful orange pumpkin, you know, much bigger than the 10-pound ones you buy at the store. And uh, I said, I can do that. <laughs> that was about 30 years ago. Oh, look at that. And 30 years later, now you have a world record. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have any other world records right now with, with uh, growing your vegetables? Well, I did have the, the largest pumpkin in the world back in 2008. Um, it was 1,568 pounds at the time, but it had a little bit of a soft spot on it, so I wasn't officially categorized. Um, I've grown pumpkins up to 2,075 pounds back Whoa. in 2016. You know, Steve, you're mad. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a lot, a lot of history with uh, pumpkins. That's, that's great. For sure. You know, this giant vegetable growing is. It, I mean, there's people who do this as a hobby, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's something that you really get into, and right. it's like showing dogs or you know, uh, showing horses. Your roses. Yeah, showing yeah. roses, anything like that. And it's something that it's not something you just do once normally. Yeah, I mean, there, there's people who um, every year look forward to to showing the world what they've done and uh, trying to to top what they've done in the past. And there's a lot involved in that. And I'm sure it's not just putting a seed in the ground. Yeah, Steve, can you no, get a little bit into how somebody would even start growing? Let, let, let's just make it easy and let's stay with the pumpkin because, um, you know, that's, I think, the most common one. How would somebody even begin starting to grow a giant pumpkin if this is something they wanted to do? Well, 
I mean, I, I'm part of an organization. I signed up for it, you know, above 9,000 growers worldwide and part of the Great Pumpkin Commonwealth. So it's called the GPC. GPC.org. You can learn everything about it there. <laughs> uh, and what you need is a mentor. You need someone that can actually get you jump-started. Uh, and that happens w- within local clubs, which are in every state in the Union uh, and worldwide. Ours is called the Southern New England Gi- Giant Pumpkin Growers, uh, SNGPG.com, on the East Coast. But they're Midwesterns. There are West Coast growers. Get into a club, and that's where you can sort of begin to test your green thumb and just see how good you are. People will share. They'll give information out. They've got newsletters like we do. Uh, and, of course, then there's the ultimate request for a seed, you know. <laughs> uh, growers will, they will, uh, they will share. Hey, Steve, I'm going to jump in here real quick. We've got to take a break. Continue your thought on the other side. Uh, our guest this morning. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Uh, we're talking about giant pumpkins. Gourds is Steve Connolly. And again, questions, comments right there on Facebook Live. We welcome them. I'm Brian Main, Tiger Palafox, John Bagnasco. Halloween edition, Garden America here on Facebook Live and BizTalk Radio back right after this. Welcome back to the Garden America Radio Show with Brian, John, and Tiger. The phone lines are open right now at 855-424-9825. That's 855-424-9825. Or john at gardenamerica.com. Here on Facebook Live. Thank you for those tuned in on BizTalk Radio. This edition is a pre-recorded broadcast. We are broadcasting on Halloween morning. You're listening a week later. Back again, Tiger Palafox, John Bagnasco. We're talking about the great pump. Brian Maine. <laughs> I was, was going to say the, the the great pumpkin was uh, was uh, a motivation for me when I was a kid. That was yeah. Linus's great pumpkin, I think, Tiger. <laughs> you know, one thing I wanted to ask Steve um, is the financial aspect of this, because you you might think in your mind that it's just a fun thing to do. I can go grow, go out and and invest a little bit of money and grow this gigantic pumpkin that's going to be a 
thousand fifteen hundred you know a ton pumpkin but once you've got that pumpkin seed isn't there some financial benefit to the seeds because i i don't think if you wanted seeds from that pumpkin that you'd be able to get 10 seeds for a dollar 99 would you uh, no uh, <laughs> it, it first of all it, it is a a project it's of it's a sport of passion. You know, you have right. to have a, a desire for right. it. But then, for, yes, there is a, a financial uh, reward if you make it to the mountaintop, if you will. Um, you know, I, I won $10,000 at fairs. I won $8,000 at fairs. I, I think wow. we've made probably $80,000 over the last 30 years. Wow. Um, but the, the, the winter rewards, selling of the seeds, uh, uh you can get them on wallaceorganicwonder.com. You can get them on um, uh, giant, I forget what it is, giant gardening, worldclassgardening.com. The seeds are there. Yeah. And if, if you know a grower, you can get a hold of them directly. There's another avenue. And um, I did post the link to the website, G, um, Steve had mentioned. It's gpc one the number one dot org and I did post a link on our Facebook feed if people are interested that was the giant pumpkin Commonwealth um, the community that Steve was mentioning in terms of information and you know different um, you know connections that you can make uh, you had, Steve had mentioned about you know if this was something you're interested in trying to get some kind of uh, mentor from there to help you guide this. Now, you know, one thing that has to do with growing these is obviously getting the right seed. I, you can't just go to your, you know, you know, even what is the common seed that they sell at garden centers? The Atlantic giant pumpkin, right? I think is the most common one you'll see. And it's on all the seed racks, right. but, e but even that yeah. one probably isn't the most That's giant, right? right? They Steve? started as Atlantic giants. Correct. But they're, they're a species called cucurbita maxima. Uh-huh. Um, but it's an isolated species. Uh, Atlantic giants are isolated. They won't cross-pollinate with field pumpkins, for example, um, or, or other types of squash, just like anything else. Yeah. Well, so what is the, the cost going to be about? I, I keep going back to the yeah, money. Yeah, end, yeah. But, but if I wanted to buy, say, uh, five seeds from a 2,000-pound pumpkin, what would that cost? Just roughly. I know it depends who's selling them, but... Uh, it depends on where, but they're approximately going for about forty to fifty dollars for two or three seeds. <laughs> wow! See, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Those aren't the ones that you want to bake in the oven and put salt on them. <laughs> Don't make that mistake. It'll be an expensive uh, pumpkin seed, that's for sure. Now, Steve, <laughs> Steve, um, Tiger, and I were talking before the show, and aren't the actual size of some of these uh, seeds from large vegetables, the seeds themselves are larger, too, aren't they? Yes, they are. The seeds are a bit larger, uh, not significantly larger. Mm -hmm. They're probably about an inch long. Uh, it's generally the shape of a regular old pumpkin seed, but it's sometimes they are uh, larger up to that size. Is there any correlation between the size of the seed and the eventual size of the plant or the pumpkin? Good question, because I don't want people to go down an avenue searching for the largest seeds. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, no. Uh, you can grow them from the half-inch seeds as well as the one-inch long seeds. You see, those seeds, they've got genetic bundles in them that know what to do. They're pre-programmed. Uh, so th They know what to do. They happen to be generally larger, but it doesn't matter if you get 
slightly smaller seeds too. As long as you know they were where they came from and they are Atlantic giant seeds. There, um, Stephen mentioned um, WallaceWow.com to buy seeds, and there's a picture of Steve next to his uh, what is this here? 15, no, 1,600-pound pumpkin seed, and you can get those seeds for $20, $28 for three of them. So, yeah, I mean... Oh, that's a you deal. Know, yeah, there's 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 <laughs> options out there. Um, yeah, but, yeah, definitely. But, you, you went for the top of the heap, but yes, there are... You can take it down a notch. Yeah. Genetically, they came from... If you look at those seeds, they came from 2,500-pound pumpkins. Yeah. Um, now, it, a lot of it has to do with the seed, obviously, but there is some... Obviously, soil care that has to take place as well, right, Steve? I mean, you can't just throw these these wonderful seeds in the ground and expect to get a sixteen hundred pound uh, pumpkin without actually taking care of the soil. What what is it that you recommend that people do for the soil that they're planting in? Well, first of all, get a soil test. Um, you know, dot com. Any university usually has a an ability to do soil tests. Uh, Western Labs. Also, a place that you can get soil tests from. So, here we go. So, we are growers that have limited space, and we're planting in the same space every year, generally. There's a few of the best that can rotate their crops. Age-old knowledge, you know, rotate the crops and help keep uh, beneficial, help keep the soil healthy that way. Mm -hmm. Because bugs like to pile up where they know the same food is going to be every year. So, rotate your crops. Put in amendments in the fall. Uh, generally, I'm putting in compost, uh, aged compost like aged cow manure, um, chicken manure. Never a year old, always two. Mm-hmm. Mix it in with some maple leaf compost. But you want to amend the soil in the fall and put a little extra in uh, after you get a soil test. Uh, you don't pour all the fer- fertilizers in yet. You just let it sit over the winter. Now, one thing that we do is we put cover crops into the soil, like any farmer, uh, and, and we happen to be very up on Kodiak mustard seed, uh, mightymustard.com. And the reason is that mustard is actually quite good at biofumigation when it breaks down. So you grow the crop, you till the crop under when it's wet, and that tilled under crop will emit uh, fusarium um, vapor gas. It may it is called mustard for a reason. <laughs> uh, and that vapor will actually attack uh, fusarium, phytophthora, uh, and it has a tendency to kill uh, weed seeds as well as uh, bacteria, bad bacteria in the soil. So we're keeping the soil clean and we're keeping the soil amended with a few little extra things in the fall. What was that website again? Because I think I'm going to look into that because I've got some new beds going in. <laughs> That's good timing for you, oh, John. Yeah. I would say Mighty Mustard. Query it that way. Okay, I, Mighty I Mustard. Exactly. I can remember Mighty, that. Kodiak Mighty Mustard is the best seed. There's a variety of them. Okay. Every They're used worldwide by uh, farmers. Not the best kept secret either. Everybody should have a good handle on that sort of a cover crop. Hey Steve, question on this on this world record. I'm sorry, this uh, world record uh, gourd pumpkin that you grew. What's the time frame from the time you plant it to the time it it uh, to fruition yeah. uh, that you say, okay, this is it. It's not going to grow any longer. Uh, this is the end product. How much timing in between? 
And you're right. Eventually, they're not going to grow any longer. Uh, they have an, uh, a tendency to grow for about six months. That's their lifespan. Three months, the first three months are spent with, um, with plant growth. You're getting your plant out to 16, 18 feet or so in these 900-square-foot patches. And the final three months of your summer are spent growing the fruit. So you're going to pollinate it somewhere around the mid-June time frame and then let it ride all the way to October to the way off. That's three months. So in 90 days, they'll put on 2,000 pounds. Wow. That's a lot of water. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, there's another subject. <laughs> they, they are certainly a high percentage water, and they'll drink some of these plants. Um, will drink at peak periods, we'll say, when the fruit is big and the plant is big, say, be 50 gallons of water every day Whoa. over 900 square feet. <laughs> <laughs> and via transpiration, you're going to get about maybe... Of that 50 pounds, maybe three or four or even five pounds if it will go into the pumpkin. Uh, hey, hey, Steve, we're going to have to take a quick break. There is a question when we get back from the break as well. Do you use compost tea and worm castings in part of your process? So when we get back from the yes. break, we'll finish talking about sure. some watering and then about the uh, compost tea and worm castings. Yeah, so stay with us. Uh, Steve, thank you for your patience and uh, nice enough to join us this morning. Steve Connolly, world record holder for growing pumpkins, gourds, you name it. And again, questions, comments, as Tiger just mentioned, uh, when we come back, quick break here on Facebook Live. A little longer break on BizTalk Radio, but thank you for hanging in there with us. It is Halloween 2020. Our special show. Also today, we'll be talking about next week's program at some point. That's going to be special as well. It is break time, as Tiger mentioned. Tiger Palafox, John Bagnesco, I'm Brian Maine. This is Garden America, our pumpkin edition, 2020. Back after this. Welcome back to the Garden America Radio Show with Brian, John, and Tiger. The phone lines are open right now at 855-424-9825. That's 855-424-9825 or john at gardenamerica.com. All right, we are back. And if you are tuned in on BizTalk Radio, this is the final segment of our number one. You've got news coming up top of the hour. Those of us on Facebook Live, we're going to keep on rolling. And again, if you are listening to BizTalk Radio, you can always hear us and watch us live every week starting at 8 o'clock on the Pacific Coast and, of course, Eastern Time Zone at 11 right here on Facebook, Tiger. Yeah, so we're talking with Steve Connolly. Hey, by the way, cheer up, will you? (laughs) A giant vegetable grower. And we were just talking about the process behind growing a a giant pumpkin. Um, You know, Steve, you had mentioned they can take up to 50 gallons of water in one day during the peak of when it's putting on weight. And one of our listeners asked about using worm castings as well. You mentioned steer manure and some other manures and maple uh, maple leaf compost. I, I, it depends what part of the country. Yeah, you're in, since we don't yeah, have maple trees, uh, we're going to have any it kind imported. of leaf mulch. I imagine would yeah. be good. Um, you know, but but what about the worm castings? Do you do anything like that, Steve? Yes. Uh, Worm castings are are, are great. Uh, they're organic, they're natural. They're full of uh, nutrients and minerals that the soil uh, that the plant recognizes. So when the worms go through and do their thing, they leave uh, recognizable micronutrients in the soil that the plant can uptake. So they're in. You need the worms to do their job. 
You can put stuff in the soil, the plant won't recognize it as food until it gets broken down to the elemental stage. And um, There's others. I mean, NeptunesHarvest.com. Mm-hmm. There is a big player in the market worldwide for extreme gardeners. They're well aware of the hydrolyzed fish fertilizers with low numbers, you know, like 241. Um, but- and the but it's what the plant is actually going to use, which is the important thing, right, as you mentioned? It is actually, yes, sir. It's sort of like that. Uh, generally, it, though, it, what it does, it, 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 the fish and the seaweed and, the, and all the natural products from the sea, uh, they are loaded with proteins and amino acids. And proteins and amino acids actually feed the beneficial bacteria in the soil. They feed the bacteria, the bacteria continues to break the soil down because it's healthy. It's being fed this fish and fertilizer. And again, it's another means of breaking, getting the soil via uh, proteins and amino acids to get down to a level via bacteria that the plant can recognize. Nice. So I highly recommend going after the old, you know, age-old words of using fish and like the Indians, American Indians yep. did. Uh, uh, fish seaweed blends, and even we, they have quite a variety. They're selling uh, what I really like is the crab shell and lobster fertilizer. Uh, again, multi-purpose plant plant foods. So uh, please consider that. Um, now, if you want to go a little further on this boosting of the plant and boosting of the fruits to make them into mega-sized. Uh, Wallace Organic Wonder, again, I'm going to only go with two pickies here. Uh, they do a nice job of providing a mycorrhizae. Uh, uh, it's a beneficial symbiotic relationship fungi that the plant uh, likes. What happens is the, the roots of the plant engage with the beneficial fungi, and you can uh, they actually spear the root systems, and the two become one. It's a symbiotic relationship, enhancing the growth, enhancing the root structure of the plant's enhances the growth of the plants. So again, mycorrhizae from Wallace Organic Wonders and some of their nitrogen-fixing bacteria like uh, Azos, big players in my game. And I think everybody's game if they're really interested in extreme gardening. So Steve, in terms of the soil and you know this plant, you, 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 to grow a 1,600 to 2,000 pound pumpkin, you, you only keep one actual fruit on this plant, right? That's your focus. You, you, you just keep one on there? Is that right? Absolutely. Okay. We start with a few. There's an air and a spare, or, or maybe even the third air. Mm-hmm. 900 square feet. 900 feet by 30 feet is, is we're what we're into. We've been fine tuning that plant size for years. 900 square feet, and we're pushing out 2,593 pound pumpkins. Okay, I, I was going to ask about that. Like, how much space? So you need 900 square feet, one plant, yep. and then, you know, you, you get the one fruit on it, and that's your focus for its whole growing season. Then you start your, your watering and your fertilizing. And, and then, so, forgive me if I, so if you wanted the pumpkin ready by Halloween, when would it be planted in the ground? Um, you Depends would be on what part of the, the country. In late April. Late April? So again, it's, just count from your day, go back six months, or maybe even seven okay. months if you want to ex- feel confident about extending the life by a month. And so take your, yeah, and that's your start date. 
And then as far as like um, it, pumpkins are, are solid fruit, you know, and they really only begin to break down if there's a, a soft spot or a crack. So even, you know, in one that you have and you maybe you started a little bit earlier and it hits the 2000 pound mark in early October or, or something, it's still going to be OK through the whole month of, of, of October, right? And beyond. Yeah. So, yes, uh, you've got, first of all, we'll just go quickly back to the beginning. When you're making your fruit decision, make sure those lobes in the in the female flower look equally shaped and normal. Um, it's hard to explain what a lobe should look like. but <laughs> I'm sure somebody can Google lobes. it. Huh? Yeah, they can Google it. Yeah, they can Google it, but yeah, make sure they're good. And uh, you'll, you'll have a nice ride if you've chosen a flower, a female flower, with four good lobes, five good lobes, six good lobes. Don't look. If you see a deformed one, walk away from that guy. Don't even try to pollinate it because you won't. You're all in within about four weeks. Yeah. You know, and when you're all in and you can't turn this clock back, darn, season's over. Yeah, that's then true. These, these deformed pumpkins form and they kind of crack and split as they grow. But yeah, so six months, and when you're riding it out in those last few months, weeks, days of the year, and like I said, and beyond, because once they're off the vine, if they're sheltered, so to speak, like any old pumpkin out in the front yard, they'll go for another two months. You know, just on display. People enjoy that. Yeah. Um, but keep them dry. We, we tend to build little tents over them as they get near the last three weeks of, of their time on the vine, as we call it. Hey, hey Steve, we're going to have to take a, another break. And when we get back, we'll wrap up talking with Steve Connolly about growing giant vegetables. And also, I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, giant vegetable community when we get back from our break. Yeah, we've got a, a question or two still to get to on Facebook Live, so keep those coming. Going to take a break. If you're tuned in on uh, BizTalk Radio, top of the hour news coming up with hour number two heading your way six minutes after. We'll continue with uh, Steve Connolly and then wrap things up after that. So, again, a quick break here on Facebook Live. Do stay with us. I'm Brian Main, Tiger Palafox, John Bagnasco. Our Halloween 2020 edition, Garden America, right here, Facebook Live and BizTalk Radio. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Six minutes after the hour here on Facebook Live. But time doesn't matter. We just keep on going till we think we're through. How does that sound? Uh, yeah, go ahead, John. I was just going to say uh, a quick note for people listening on the radio. Since they can't see this, someone asked the website for the fertilizer, the Neptune's Harvest. Yes. And it's just neptunesharvest.com. Yeah. All right. Very good. Those on Biz Talk Radio. Um, so, Steve, you were... You were telling us about you know finishing off uh, growing the giant pumpkins. Now I gotta ask you in terms of the the giant vegetable community, and I've I've looked on that um uh, what is it here g gpc1.org, and they have this massive tomato. Um, you know, obviously there's other gourds and other things. Um, are are pumpkins like the uh, the the top of the food chain in the uh, giant veggie world? They tend to be um, where the big boys play, yeah. but there certainly are um, areas in the country that are far better than us up north at other extremes, like mm. watermelons, for example. Oh, yeah. Or, or giant cantaloupes or giant long gourds. Uh, we certainly, we call it the Great Pumpkin Commonwealth, maybe, but we've evolved into a far wider range of um, sanctioned fruits that we recognize and judge and compete against each other on during the year, all 9,000 plus of us. And now this is a big, um, a big thing that I know in the uh, general veggie world, as far as edible vegetables is that bigger is not better. Meaning, you know, if you wanted to have a good flavor, good taste that necessarily something bigger is usually kind of watered down, not always the best flavor. Do you know of any vegetable that bigger is better in terms of flavor? I know that bigger is equal for example, in watermelons and tomatoes, the mm-hmm. giants. I, I know that the Atlantic giants are very uh, pale. I mean, they don't have a, a strong taste like a Connecticut field pumpkin. The sugar levels are lower. Yeah. Uh, but generally, you're right. I mean, most of them, they're not desirable. Um, if example, but for example, the watermelons and the cute. Oh, I'm sorry, the tomatoes are relatively equal. And we've been approached by agricultural societies looking for, you know, feed the world type things where we can produce massive fruit uh, rather than just a few little fruit and Mm -hmm. feed a lot more people. So there's investigations in that area, um, but there's only a few of them that might taste as good. I don't think 
necessarily we've been queried into whether they're nutritionally any better or not. Yeah. Um, and so what's your plan for next year, Steve? You going to do another gourd? Or are you moving on to something else? Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to grow my giant pumpkins as always. I plan on growing some of the really beautiful orange strains. Like I said, you get the seeds from the parents, you know what the offspring's going to look like. So I'll have a bunch of uh, smaller orange ones and about three Atlantic giants. And I'm looking at it spreading out over to marrows, uh, another type of a fruit. There's a competitive class there. I, I always like to challenge myself. We yeah. always do. And I just wanted to say the growers as a whole are a very friendly bunch. You get over to any fair and ask for seeds. And generally speaking, they're just going to say, send me a bubble. <laughs> so. It, it, you don't need to jump right to the 2,000-pounders right away. Spend some time with 1,000-pounders. <laughs> play, play in your weight class a little yeah, bit exactly. before, you, before you try to get into the ring with the big boys, right? Exactly. <laughs> you know, and then I do want to leave leave it with people that are considering joining, you know, growing these vegetables. Even if you can grow a 500-pound pumpkin, you Plan on how you're going to move it well, yeah, if, exactly. if you're going to be able to move it. Because I think that's what people do sometimes, too, is they go, oh, I got this pumpkin. I'm going to grow it. And then they grow it. But then they look at it and they're like, oh, it's just staying there. You, you got to bring ever... in a crane. We've yeah. seen them bring in cranes, John, in the past. <laughs> well, not only that, I think it was uh, about 10 years ago, someone in Rancho Bernardo planted one of those giant pumpkins on a hillside. Which is not really a good idea. <laughs> As it rolls down the hill? Because it rolled down and smashed through their sliding glass <laughs> door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, there's a few backs of pickup trucks that have been uh, succumbed to that type of a momentum fall <laughs> yeah. also. Oh, wow. So, yeah, be careful there. But think about who it is for. It's for the kids. Yeah. You know? To them, of course. 400, three, even 300 beautiful orange pumpkin, that's off the charts for them because it's bigger than them. I was looking uh, just quickly at the uh, sunflower seeds they were offering, and you know that's a great thing to grow for kids. Oh, yeah, and if you're looking at twenty three foot tall sunflowers, and, and the stalks are like tree trunks, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's Jack and the Beanstalk type stuff. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Remember WorldClassGardening.com. Right. Hey, Steve. Last question for you. We got yeah. just came across. It's a good um, question too. Uh, what's your plans for the gourd now? Harvest the my seeds? Bushel. Oh, the bushel gourd, sure. Uh, it, I'm so happy I got my Guinness Book of World Records submittal in place. I've now got the seeds on worldclassgardening.com. I harvested the seeds last night. Too cold, too much snow. I wasn't going to risk this thing was going to rot yeah. sitting there. All right. So, uh, so, so harvest I the seeds. I got a seed count. Yeah, harvest the seeds, and they'll be available online. So, yeah, thank you very much for the great information. Um, you know, thank you for sharing all your knowledge with us, giving people years of of uh, knowledge. You know, wrapped up into this program, and hopefully they'll get excited and start planting some of their giant veggies. You, be, you bet. So, Steve, have a great rest of the week and happy Halloween. I'd love to find a replay of this on uh, Facebook somehow. I don't know the site to go looking at it for either. Oh, you just go to our Facebook page, and if you go into the videos section, all. Of of our past shows are right on there. Everything is right and, there, Steve. Um, you can I'd catch it. Right all there. you do is search for Garden America Radio. Yeah, on Facebook. Got it. And Garden once you America find the page, yeah, just scroll, you, scroll down. Everything's right there for you, Steve. Yeah, great. Thank, thank you very much, Steve. Have a great day. All right, beautiful, Steve Connolly, the Gourd Man, the Big Gourd. Now we yeah. we talked about what he grew this year, but he was talking about three thousand pound gourds. Well, what is up with that? Well, like, I mean, you know, he talked about this bushel gourd he grew. Of uh, 407 and a half pounds this year. But at the same time he was doing that, he was also growing, you know, what? 
two, three hundred pound, you know, pumpkins and thousand pound pumpkins. <laughs> you know, leave it to an engineer. That's what oh, yeah, we're definitely. chuckling in the beginning so of the show. Grow a, um, a pumpkin that's over a thousand pounds. Yes. So he said nine hundred square feet. So a thirty by thirty area is what you would require. Yep. And it's got to be somewhat flat, as you mentioned, because otherwise it'll just grow. Right. Yeah. And you need 50 gallons of water a day. In the peak of the season, which right. for, for, for us, I think it would be even more. It could be because, because it's so dry, right? Where we live is going to be so dry. And we don't get rain. Yeah. So, yeah, probably almost double that in some cases. But he was talking about having to cover the pumpkin to protect it uh, as it was developing from rain. That is one advantage we, we wouldn't have. Right, right. So, yeah, it depends on each part of the country. But I love that world-class uh, gardening website uh, just to look at all the seeds. And, God, what, you know, it's not too early to start thinking about Christmas gifts. Yeah. You know, what sure. a great idea to give somebody some kind of seeds like that. And and the cool thing about it, as Steve mentioned, the, the community's growing in the sense of, it, you know, if, you, if you're like, you know what, I don't have 900 square feet, you know, that I just it just couldn't happen. You know, there are tomato plants that you can grow – and you know they grow hefty tomatoes, and that's fun to do. Mm-hmm. S- celery stalk. I've seen you know celery being grown that's you know f- four feet tall, kind of a thing. Giant celery stalk. What about the eighteen foot corn you were talking about earlier? Yeah, corn or stalks, the, eighteen feet, right? The, yeah, with, or the sunflower or the corn. The, corn. the sunflower was twenty three yeah. feet. Yeah, and the corn yeah, and was eighteen. The corn, yeah, exactly. So there are things that maybe would be more conducive to what right, you do. Right, right, with- that are fun to grow, and you know. Steve, uh, uh, you know, he played it off like it's all for the kids. But let's be real. Come on, you know, if, he, if I walked into a field and saw a fifteen hundred pound pumpkin, you wouldn't sitting have in to it, be a kid to appreciate. I it. would light up like a sure, like Isaac, like a five year old boy, because that would be amazing. To and me. instead of putting a candle in the middle of it when you make a jack o' lantern, <laughs> you put a tiki torch in the middle because that's how big <laughs> that's it is. How, you'd have to put a. Yeah, I was a thinking lighthouse. building maybe a bonfire in the center of it. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's oh. good stuff. A lot of fun for this uh, Halloween. You know, I was yeah. looking at the watermelon on that site. Yeah, was, I want to maybe do that. How what's about two hundred pounds for two, a watermelon? Two hundred pounds. watermelon. Okay. Nice. I might do a watermelon next year. That'd be fun. I don't know if I can do pumpkin yet, but I'll do Now, watermelon, that's going to have, speaking of water, that would have a ton of water in it. 200 pounds? No, that's, it would be 2,000 to have a ton, Brian. <laughs> well, you, you took, now you see, you took ton, tongue. Literally. I should say ton, literally, John. Uh, but I get it. Hey, we're close to a break, so let's, we're so close, let's just take a break and come back. Whatever uh, you want to know, questions, comments, it doesn't have to be about pumpkins or gourds. Let us know anything gardening right here as we take a quick break. John Bagnasco, Tiger Palafox, I'm Brian Maine. Garden America, back after this on your Halloween Saturday 2020.
here on uh, Biz Talk Radio, second segment here on Facebook Live again. Just going to keep on rolling. Uh, questions, comments. I think we addressed everybody that uh, those questions and comments that pertain to our guest this morning, so we can roll in any direction. We should talk about next week's show because next week's show is historical, it's unprecedented, and we expect a lot of people tuned in viewing us here on Facebook Live. So what are we doing next weekend, John? What's some big deal going on here? Well, you know, it's something that we've never done at Garden America, even though we've been involved in it, and that's the um, 20th annual uh, Save the Roses auction, where roses are going to be offered, some for the first time ever in this country, and other roses that were in this country but are now extinct. And so it's a chance to get something new, but it's also fun. You can learn about these varieties. Mm -hmm. And if you have any questions on growing roses at all, if you join us on Facebook during the show, we will have rosarians, rose experts from around the world. Interacting on Facebook with us, right? It'll be on Facebook. If you have a question, you can put it up there, and we'll either have Becky Hook in France uh, give you an answer, or Bob Martin, who's the president of the American Rose Society. Mm -hmm. These are big-time people. Yeah, Greg Lowry from uh, uh, Vintage Gardens. So normally we we do the live auction at a location, but of course this year, because of everything happening, we can't do that. So the auction's going to be actually right here on our show, during our show, next week. And as John said, you can interact with these people. A chance to ask questions with some of these people, foremost experts, that otherwise you'd never get to ask. Right. And if you do want to bid, it's not anything that has to be done during the show. You can go right now to ccrsauction.com. That stands for California Coastal Rose Society. So those roses would be on that site. So everything that is going to be in the auction is there, and all the instructions on how to bid are there. But uh, next week, we'll go over each rose one by one, and Tiger will scroll pictures onto the site so you can see what they look like. So yeah, so tune in next week, because it's going to be a different show. The whole show is going to be dedicated around the 20th annual auction, which again, usually we do a live at a location. Can't do it this year because of old... COVID. Oh, and, COVID-19. I was, and I was busy putting up a link right now, but I don't know if John mentioned that it doesn't matter where you are because you guys ship these roses anywhere. Oh, yeah. Anywhere. And not only do you ship them anywhere, you will hold on to them until that person is ready to receive it. Meaning, if you are back east right mm-hmm. now and you're under snow and you're like, oh, I really think that rose is cool, but why would I buy it now? John will personally take care of that rose. Oh, pers- personally. <laughs> until. April or May, and you are ready to receive it. So you're saying if Scott in Pennsylvania <laughs> wants to buy a rose, yes. uh, I'll hold it for him it, and take care of it. Until the weather clears up, right? ship it next spring. Scott exactly. in Pennsylvania, we hope you'll be bidding next week on roses <laughs> right. uh, just to give John but, but a hard time. But that's a big deal because there's a lot of people all around the country that love to grow roses and have many unique mm-hmm. and rare roses and don't always have the ability to get them. This is your opportunity, but also understand that you won't need to overwinter it um, at the moment because beautiful Southern California weather will keep them alive for you and then ship them when you're ready. Now, this is a huge educational aspect of what John was mentioning when you tune in next week because you got a question, boom, right there on Facebook. Um, Not necessarily to us, but some of these you know big-time Rosarians that know what they're talking about. Yes, John included, but we've expanded this now. Uh, Becky in in France and Bob Martin, some of these big-time people. Well, Ping Lim, who's one of the world's uh, best-known breeders of roses, right now will be joining and us he'll too. be he'll be online too yeah so this this took a lot uh, to organize but uh we've done it and we we know you're gonna have a good time next week so uh, maybe if you have friends that have never watched our show tell them about it anybody that likes roses this is the place to be and as we were talking about with um 
uh, Steve with Steve the pumpkins. Connelly. Yep. With the pumpkins. Um, talking to Ping, talking to Becky, you're going to learn about, you know, specific roses, where it's going to grow best, how to grow it best, what to watch out for. Because because that's just it, is, as we were talking about the pumpkins, is, you know, this rose might be more susceptible to something because it, it's rare, but yes. it, wasn't, it wasn't bred like today's standards. Today's rose breeding is because you want to prevent disease, you want to, you know, uh, have the, a unique flower color or something like that. These are roses that were bred, um, you know, in times that that wasn't the thought. So it might be more susceptible to mildew or rust and you if you know that information when you're planting it you will know to plant it in an area that isn't going to get so much moisture in the air on it how long do you think it'll take next week before our first question is is it fragrant (laughs) (laughs) well you know all the roses are listed on the website right now with a link to help me find roses so if you go there click on the link you can find out if each rose is fragrant Mm -hmm. but you know uh tiger's talking about disease resistance and just because a rose is old doesn't mean that it is going to be susceptible to disease and uh, one example i'm thinking of is the peggy martin rose Mm -hmm. well that thing can withstand anything right that survived hurricane katrina underwater under yeah salt water water for for two weeks like 10 feet under salt water but i guess also if you were to have a peggy martin rose and you killed it (laughs) maybe you should never grow a rose period yeah exactly. you're still alive by the way yes it is and i know that was a leading question it's doing very well did you guys backing up a little bit see john and bonnie's question Mm-mm. Is Kodiak mustard legal to grow in California? I thought mustard was an invasive species, or at least some types. Well, you know, that is a good question. And I went to the uh, Kodiak mustard website uh, because I was trying to find that out. Uh, because, you know, regular mustard is an invasive weed. But I don't know about the Kodiak. So. Yeah, That's a, a good times, question. Oh, well, and and we'll, I'll, we'll look into it. Yeah. But um, a lot of times things that are going to be used as cover crops tend to be ones that um, are not um, as invasive. So, you know, and then the other thing is, as Steve um, mentioned, what he does is you let it grow to a point and then you till it. Yeah, that's the other thing you got to yes. remember with co- cover crops is a lot of times you know you might want to catch it before it reseeds. You 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 kind of till it in because mm-hmm. the whole nitrogen fixing. Um, what was what was the uh, Na- not napalm. What was he saying? It emits um, vapalm. 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 Gas. Na- napalm. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, um, you know. You know that. Um, you want to get those into the soil, and so you know you do till it in before it goes. And if you do it before it goes to seed, it's not going to become invasive. So um, you know you can minimize that. So a lot of cover crops are kind of used that way. But because people would think like, why am I going to plant this weed seed yeah. in my garden as a cover crop, and then it's just going to come up all over the place again? But if you catch it before it. John, did you see Rick's question? No. About I... when should we prune our roses in Boise, Idaho? Uh, in cold climates, you always prune roses in the spring. So, so wait a bit, Rick. Right, and the reason you do that is because you can have winter dieback. Yeah. So if you prune uh, it early, if you prune it early and you get dieback, it's going to be even shorter. So yeah. you uh, you, be- you better hope it's own root. Yeah. <laughs> now Boise's not as cold as uh, you know, say, growing a rose in South Dakota. 
But still, that would be the general right. rule of thumb. Okay, we are up to our next break here on BizTalk Radio and Facebook Live. So we've got, uh, let's see, two more segments to go on this uh, Saturday, Halloween 2020. Keep those questions and comments coming. Whatever topic you want to talk about, we were talking about pumpkins, gourds, roses. You tell us the direction, and we'll try to... Uh... It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, do our best to help you out with a good uh, good answer. If not, we'll look it up. John Bagnasco, Tiger Palafox. I'm Brian May. Back right after this, it is Garden America, special edition Halloween 2020. Stay with us. Thank you for being right there. Thank you for supporting uh, Garden America for all these years, or perhaps you're a new listener. We hope you'll make it a habit every Saturday morning. We kick things off right around 8 o'clock Pacific time, 11 o'clock Eastern time zone. So to answer the question regarding the mustard is that, yes. yeah, it's recommended that you till it before it goes to flower. What was it, John? Five, five to six inches. When yeah. it's five to six inches tall, you're going to plow it under. So it's never going to go to seed. So you don't have to worry about it becoming invasive. Uh, but I don't think that it would be, or they wouldn't be, you know. Yeah, just and, I mean, sold it's the same thing. I mean, seeds. they sell oxalis as a cover crop too, and you would think, why would they sell oxalis that is such a you know dominant weed in the garden as a cover crop? And it's because you till it before it, you allow it to then germinate and you know begin to reseed. So you're saying it's all about control. It is control, control, timing, and control. And speaking of roses, though, we had a. What was it? Two weeks ago, we had a show, and I mentioned something that was on the internet 
about how to start your own rose. Oh, yeah. Is this the old potato rose thing? This is the old potato rose thing. So I want to give everybody an update on my potato rose. I'm trying to So, So what, what was the, first of all, what was the premise so we can talk about whether it was successful or not, Tiger? So the what premise it is, being. What it, what it was was that, you know, they said if you wanted to start your own rose, you can take a cutting from a rose and simply plant it or stick it inside of a potato and it would root and you would be able to then have that rose. Why couldn't and, I just stick it in the ground? Well, because the potato was supposed to keep it in a, a moist environment, okay. give it a medium to be able to grow into with little care. I mean, you know, as you know, you John has mentioned before, if you want to root your own roses in using um you know, a standard method. It takes a lot of keeping, you know, the moisture levels right. You need well-draining soil. You need to monitor it, all these other things. Well, this was supposed to be a simple way. So I have it on right now on video of my potato in the rose. And I'll have to post this to Facebook later on for people that are are listening on the radio. Well, take a look at that, Tiger. But it is a very dry stem of a rose <laughs> stuck in a potato. Now, I will say the potato seems to be sprouting just fine. There's and a lot of eyes that are starting to send out you know, little this is like Mythbusters. <laughs> Did we bust the myth? Well, also, uh, if you're looking at us on Facebook and you're looking at the uh, rose cutting, it looks much better on Facebook than it does in <laughs> real life. Actually, you're right. It looks it's worse pretty in crispy. Person. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crispy. Yeah. So, so we're, we're gonna go eh, on this one, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just not as easy as they sound. I'm sure some people are successful. I don't want to say that it's you know 100% debunked, but definitely. Definitely not as easy as just sticking a cutting of a rose right. in a potato and then having it begin to grow. Hey, Lila from Poway is asking if um, if CCRS got her bidding form for roses, and the answer is yes, they did. Oh, you know. and, oh beautiful, John. The and good for answer. anybody who's wondering uh, about the amount that they should bid, uh, if you go to the website, each rose has the current bid on it. Mm-hmm. And the way that you should bid, just a tip, is if, say, the bid on a rose is right now $11, you really want that rose, put in the maximum you're willing to go, like put in $40 or $50 if you really want that rose. And the um, society will do the bidding and update it for you. For instance, if if $11 is the current bid, no one else bids for that rose. A bid will go in for you for $12, and you'll get that rose for $12. But if someone else comes on in down the road and they put in $20, then your bid will go in at $21. So it, it, it's kinda, it just perpetuates itself then, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is if you put in 40 or $50, it doesn't mean that's what you'll end up having no, to that, pay for that's the rose. Just to cover you to a certain point if the rose does go up. Right. You'll go up no, no more than what you Because we're not as sophisticated in. as um, eBay. <laughs> so it's not happening in real time. So it's, so it's like you've got 40 bucks to play with, let's say, as an example. Yeah. And you may, right. But you may get the rose for $12. Right. Okay. And you it. may be outbid by somebody who put in forty one dollars. Right, 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 right. We had we had big numbers last at last year's auction, right? What do we Yeah, have you guys did. You broke broke a few records. Yeah. Well, you know, last year we had roses that went for for three dollars mm-hmm. all the way up to almost three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it just depends on what the rose is. And one of your favorite roses is 
is uh, available, Brian. Simsalabim. I was going to say either that or Abracadabra, one of the two. Yes. Uh, Simsalabim, I think, is even more exotic. And and I think that's going to, uh, I think someone will get that for a good price this year. Simsalabim. That's always gone for over $150, all yeah. the way up to like 350 But I think this year you might be able to get that for anywhere from. Thirty to forty dollars. Now that rose, you know, you pay a lot of money for a rose like that. What are its tendencies as far as what's it susceptible to? What are the positives? What are the negatives in growing that rose? Should we be talking about tendencies? I think so. I think it's a good time to come out and talk about that, John. <laughs> well, that that rose is valued just because of the color. It's color, okay. Spectacular, uh, uh, kind of a maroon red on bright yellow. Uh, on a bright yellow rose, striped rose. Wow. If you Google Simsalabim rose, you can see, look on Google Images, and you'll see how spectacular it is. Anyone walking by that rose in a garden will be shocked. However, uh, that, it, that's, that's for your front yard, not your backyard, so you can share it with people walking by. Well, you might want it in the backyard yeah, so people so don't come by it? and dig it up. Yeah. But uh, it is a florist rose, and that's one that's a, a new rose, and uh, tiger, it's really susceptible to mildew, yeah. even though it's a relatively new rose. Yeah, um, a lot of florist roses are susceptible very... to mildew because they're normally grown in greenhouses. Um, and I do want to mention to everybody listening and might be wondering about this rose auction. It's not just about getting unique and rare roses, but the funds are going back to the um, CCRS. Right the California Coastal Rose Society, which they use those funds to keep Heritage Rose Gardens operating, to, you know... To keep pay, themselves going. Well, yeah. to pay um, breeders to keep lines of roses going, you know, reproducing them and stuff like that, because all of that takes money. I mean, A, you know, John, when we took our drive up to NorCal to pick up roses and visited, you know, a few of these gardens, you know... You know, these gardens have to be kept weeded. The roses have to be fertilized, watered. There's a lot of upkeep. And, and, and there's a lot of upkeep in them. And the cities or the, the places that they're all they're at don't always, you know, provide these groups with funds to do that stuff. Um, or it could be someone's private residence that, you know, has, you know, roses in it that, that they are the only rose in the world. And then they can send some of that um you know, budwood to someone that would then be able to reproduce the rose, and that takes money as well. So, so that's the what they use the funds for. That's what they're raising the money for is to keep these rare roses in in production, so that way they don't go away. Because obviously, you know, you know, what was it the um, Mrs. Miniver Rose. Mrs. Miniver Rose, one of the most famous roses, but there's no. It was a wartime rose that was thought to be extinct. And one person uh, made it his quest in England to try to find that rose because he remembered it as a child uh, growing up in England. And uh, actually, Becky Huck was the one who was able to Hmm. uh, root it for him and get it back into cultivation. Um, Here's a bidding question, John. Yeah, I'll I'll get to that in just a second. I I wanted to follow up with what Tiger was saying, uh, that the funds 
or the proceeds from this year's auction are going to bring in a shipment of roses from Europe that comes from two places. One is uh, Lubert's Roses, who has the national collection in France of roses that just aren't available anywhere else in the world, and a, a special rose garden in near Barcelona, Spain which had roses uh, from a lot of the Spanish breeders that never made it to the United States. So we're really excited to, all those roses are really in danger of extinction. So we're looking forward to that, and that's where the funds are going to go. Uh, Carla was asking, if uh, if you are bidding and the bid goes past your maximum, are you taken out of the bidding? And the answer is yes, unless you... Uh, see that and you send a note that says, hey, on this rose, I want to go up to such and such. But you have to be following it But you have to follow it up, right? right, Yeah, because otherwise, I I mean, that's just it. We were going to try to notify people if that happens, but whether we can keep up with it or not, I don't know. Okay, break time. We have one more segment coming up on BizTalk Radio here on Facebook Live. So again, we are monitoring your questions, your comments, which we do appreciate it, and we also thank you for your support here on Garden America. Again, next week, a big show the auction uh, for the first time live in studio questions comments next week i would imagine through the roof okay break time i'm brian main john bagnasco tiger palafox back right after this this is garden america on your halloween 2020 Those on Facebook Live, we're going to keep on rolling through here. And a reminder to those on BizTalk Radio, at any time you want to watch us and hear us live, go to our Facebook page. You don't have to have an account. Just go to Garden America Radio on Facebook. Watch every show. All of our shows, by the way, on our page, podcasts, radio shows, archived. Scroll down. Go to the video page. You can find everything. Because that's how we roll, Tiger. Yeah, and on Facebook, we've got a question. How long does it take to... Um, I, I, I it went away from me but how long does it take to, to create basically a new rose. Create, a, yeah. create a rose um was it a new rose or it says new like, rose here okay because that's two different things i mean if you were to for instance save a rose so you had rose you took bud stock mm-hmm. you know and then grew that that's just a matter of making sure that that bud stock can take root and then grow which you know what was it john i mean that could happen within eight weeks right from a cutting from a cutting yeah yeah so you know that can happen within eight weeks obviously getting bud stock from one rose is the difficult thing a lot of times because you know you can only get so much bud stock from a rose at one time so if you only have one rose you might be able to only take you know two or three cuttings from it to create something and then Mm -hmm. you got to root those out and then that's going to take years for you to get more cuttings and so on and so on now a new rose from just 
creation um, is a matter of crossing roses, right. which is going to take seven years. Take, yeah, seven years. So, you know, different things, but, you know, kind of, I think, answers the question no matter what you're coming from, right? Yeah, and the the reason it takes seven years is because you start with two roses, right? Uh, a pollen... Uh, pollen parent and a seed parent and it takes a year for roughly it's a season but say a year for the seeds to ripen the hips to ripen then you plant those the following spring the interesting thing is that six weeks after the seeds are planted the rose is blooming so you can judge it and see what it looks like but if that rose you think it has merit and you might be something to introduce in the future that rose would uh, go out into the fields and they would grow it and then increase the count to 50 the first year after that's been evaluated. And if they like it after that year, they go through and plant 500. And if it makes it another year, then they go through and plant 1,000. Then after that, they decide whether or not it's going to be introduced. Hmm. Yeah. But so, that yeah. whole process is about seven years. Yeah, and a lot of things can happen in terms of creating a new rose in the sense of why you would do keep planting more is because you know your bigger sample size is going to tell you more problems later on. Right. Um, sometimes they fail, like John says. Like sometimes you'll go out to that field after planting yeah. fifty, and there's three left for yeah. really no reason, and you know they fail. Like you well, know, John, was... that place we went to in France, uh, what was that big rose? Uh... Oh, that was Mayon. Okay, so Mayon, and we went out in the back, Tiger. I'm talking about mountain, huge mountains mountain. of roses they just can't use. Yeah. They just threw away. Right. Yeah. And well, Keith Zeri at uh, Jackson and Perkins, uh, before they went bankrupt, used to plant 300,000 seedlings every year. And out of the 300,000 seedlings, three or four would end up being reduced. That's just amazing. Or introduced. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, you know, the, you know, how long does it create but now if you're saving a rose as we mentioned you know if you have one rose hopefully within eight weeks you can create you know three or four more but it's going to take another few years what would you say from a cutting from a cutting that you were able to root and start and say you wanted to save that rose how long before you can take cuttings from that rose again oh probably the same year can you? Yeah but uh, some of the roses being offered in this year's auction uh, came from uh, a shipment that we got from France two years ago, and uh, they they have to they're quarantined for two years before two years th- they're released. Yeah, even the astronauts didn't weren't quarantined two years <laughs> after they came back even, from the moon. The COVID has. people aren't quarantined yeah, for two yeah. years. So anyway, some of those now are going to be offered uh, for the first time ever in our country, and some also are being offered uh, because they're now extinct in our country. But yeah, that was a two-year process. So what happened there is we got in little rooted cuttings from France. Uh, I potted them into one-gallon cans, and then they grew and bloomed that first year, and they were big enough to take some cuttings from. Uh, but again, before they can be offered, they have to uh, be released by the USDA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm kind of excited to, to look at some of those. Yeah. Uh, somebody had asked me how we decide what the starting bit on a rose is, and it's usually the acquisition cost. Okay, so that's if a good it, question too, by the way. Yeah, if it cost us about 
$20 to bring a rose in and to offer it for the first time, then we'll just start the bidding at $20. 20 bucks. We have some that were donated, and, um, you know, those will start the bidding down low, like four, five, six dollars. We got a couple of minutes to go here. Hey, go ahead. I, there is one question that just came across. And I'm trying to see who asked it because it's got a funny story. And John was actually involved with this. Where did the city of Carlsbad Rose come from? And I'm assuming that's one of John, not John's roses, but you were involved with the process with Armstrong's about trying to create roses that were with the cities, right? Right. Do was we have that time one of those? This story was it? Uh, let's see. You've got. Uh, can you do it in thirty seconds? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I did. I can. I can say that I did introduce that rose, and it was presented to the city council. Uh, originally, it was going to be called the City of Del Mar, but there was a kind of a funny story that <laughs> yeah. that occurred and ended up being called City of Carlsbad. And it's a beautiful orange and white striped rose. How long ago was that? That was about. Uh, 10 years ago now? Wow. Maybe. Hey, that's going to do it. Don't forget next week, join us here. Special show. We talked about the auction. That's going to be taking up all of our time next week right here. Experts chatting, comments, questions. You're into roses. You know somebody who is? Tell them to tune in next week right here on our Facebook page, Garden America Radio. For the entire crew, John Bagnasco, Tiger Palafox. Our crew used to be bigger. Now it's just Tiger and John and myself, Brian Maine. Have yourself a great Halloween. Stay safe. Be safe. And uh, what do we say? We say uh, uh, stay positive, test negative. <laughs> That's what we're saying here on Guard America. Hey, by the way, right after the show, stay with us. Don't turn us off. we got a podcast coming up. Almost forgot. Podcast talking about jack-o'-lanterns, pumpkins. How did they become part of Halloween? And that's happening in just a very few minutes. So we'll say goodbye for this show, but hello in a few minutes. Stay with us. I'm Brian Maine with the crew. This is Guard America. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.